Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is no better group of buds for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. And I'm sure that with the weather we've been having, most of your queries will be about snow and frost. With temperatures freezing, uh, plants and the garden can come under severe threat. So later on, I'll be speaking to a friend of the podcast, grafter Will Sibley. He'll be explaining what you can do at this time of year to achieve the highest tree fruit yields. My thanks to Thompson and Morgan, sponsors of this podcast. Well, it was pretty miserable weather for me last Sunday. Really cross, because I had a whole list of things to do. But it was really cold and drizzly and wet. And so I'm afraid I stayed indoors and did a number of jobs that were desperate there. But there was a little bit of good news. I have my first snowdrop showing colour and coming into flower. Uh, It's a variety called Harmony, and I see that I got it first of all in 2002. So that's been uh, flowering pretty regularly for a long time. I need to just check up. I think it came from Turkey, where uh, they were starting to cultivate snowdrops to stop people digging them from the wild. We've had a bit of fun too. We've done a little video preparing for Christmas lunch. And when I went round the garden, I was surprised. Uh, quite a lot of uh, vegetables. The purple sprouting, a variety called Rudolph, is just coming up nicely. Got some really good sprouts, of course. Parsnip, that came out pretty well. And some really lovely young carrots uh, and the herbs, parsley and sage. So uh, if you want to see me in Christmas kit, getting ready for the Christmas lunch, then have a look at Sun Gardening and you'll see the video there. We like to come up with things that are new. And uh, just recently I popped into Coolin's Garden Centre at Knockholt. Actually, it's about, I don't know, five or eight minutes off the M25. And it's a great place to stop off. Their coffee shop and restaurant called Arthur's. Arthur was the original Cooling three generations back. That's a great place to get a cake and a cup of coffee, I'll tell you. Anyhow, I popped in to see the, uh, the boss man, Gary. And on my way out, I noticed in one of the unheated greenhouses a whole bench of Camellia sasanqua yuletide charm. I can hear some of those really good plants from saying, well, what's special about that? Well, I'll tell you what was special about it. They were in 11 centimetre pots. There were two, three or four cuttings really close together in that 11 centimetre pot. They were about six or nine inches high, really well branched and full of flower bud. I mean, the Sasanquas are fragrant and not entirely hardy. I mean, I've had them in Essex survive for seven or eight years through the winter, but that was fairly big plants that were quite woody. So uh, if you're buying one of these, you would need to keep it uh, protected, certainly through the coming two months. But the skill 
that the nursery, wherever it was that was growing this, is just unbelievable to be able to root those cuttings, have several in one pot, and get them to grow to just the right size, but also form flower bud and then be in flower in two years. I mean, it was really quite remarkable. They must have been grown in exactly the same way that the Danish especially and some of the Dutch grow pot roses. Once the the, uh, two or three cuttings in the pot of roses get about four or five inches high, they have a cutter bar which just cuts the tops off and those cut-off tops make the cuttings for the next batch and just four cuttings to a pot, nicely branched, in flower, And apart from inserting the cuttings, those pots will never be touched. They're picked up by robots, put onto benches, and the computers control where the bench goes in the greenhouse, the temperature, the watering, the feeding. Nobody really does anything much until they're in bud and ready to be sleeved. I mean, we live in an amazing world, and somebody could do that with uh, Camellia Sasanqua, I thought was really quite remarkable. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now we have some great people for interview. And and one of the earliest when we started this podcast uh, nearly a year ago was grafter will sibley is that all right will to call you grafter that's what they know isn't it delighted by my proper name yes (laughs) and you actually have a graft named after you don't you i do i do sibley's modified rind graft (laughs) (laughs) now well the reason i made the phone call today most important i thought that with uh, really cold freezing temperatures and frozen soil People receiving bare root fruit trees and bushes will need some advice, won't they? Yes, they do. I think the first thing to do is um, not to panic. During the winter months when the leaves have gone off the trees, then in a very uh, simplified form, you have a bit of a sealed unit in a plant. There is very, very little transpiration going on. It certainly can't transpire out of the leaf. There will be some of the more tender shoots, the tips of the trees, which will transpire a little bit and you'll get some shrivel coming on those. But generally, the tree is a bit of a sealed unit. So the first thing, not to panic. A tree out the ground, when it arrives to you, is going to be fine. And and the main nurseries that deal with mail order or indeed that you buy at a garden centre, if it's going to be a bare root tree, those trees are going to be 
pretty good for two to three weeks, just left as they are. Now, let us assume you're going to be receiving from from a um, a mail order uh, supplier or an internet supplier, something like that. You'll find that the tree will come um, very well packed in a box or sometimes in a polythene sleeve. The roots, I think, will always be wrapped in uh, a polythene bag and very nearly always with some form of compost in that bag. That form of compost is not protecting the root, but it is a very, very useful reservoir of um, wet soil moisture, which the roots can um, just be coated in and uh, uh, they'll stop them drying out mainly. So when the plants arrive, Will, it it is worth just opening the packaging, check the roots, and if there isn't anything around the root, to put a bit of damp potting compost in a polythene bag around the roots. Yes, you can. The other thing you can do, um, if you've got one handy, is um, a big pot, um, put put the roots into a pot, and then pour on some, any any compost really will do, as long as it's uh, um, not fresh organic compost, something like a, a manure or something like that, which might burn the roots uh, in any way. But just just anything that you've got, any old pots that you've, you, you've finished with, geraniums, pots of geraniums, things like that, take that compost and pour it in a pot over the roots, and that'll just keep the thing fine. But what's important is where you're going to put this tree, Peter, yeah. because um, the best place for them is the shed or the garage, unheated. Yeah. The unheated shed or garage is really the best place. And I would go for a shed rather than a garage, quite honestly. Uh, if you've got one, it tends to be a bit colder at nights, which is all to the good, to retain the dormancy and, and, and uh, stop the tree and, and any root growth at all from happening. We don't want that happening at this time of year. Um, the worst thing you can do is to decide, well, let's put it in the greenhouse or something like that. Yes, it doesn't want to be too warm. It I mean, doesn't, it, because, c- you know, even on days like this, really cold days, if that sun comes out, then, um, you know, the temperature is going to rise dramatically in the greenhouse behind some glass. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you will be in a problem. So put them in the shed, having unpacked the tree to make sure it's okay. And if the roots have not got any compost around them, either put some back in a plastic bag some compost and then put the tree in there or as i say get a good sized pot and just pop the roots in there and um then pull some compost on the top i mean if they if you have potted them up they could even go really close to the house wall couldn't they outside oh, they can, yeah the uh, proper healing in yeah. against the house wall that's absolutely fine that's a good place to put them a lot of commercial growers will now plant in february won't they sort of cold store the trees and plant quite late Yes, commercial growers will be much, much later than that, Peter. Oh, will they? Uh, they'll be in uh, May and June now. Really? Yes, where they've, but only where they have irrigation. Right. Um, so, yes, prolonged um, periods for uh, a tree. Um, the tree lifting is all done before Christmas. Nurseries are, are rushing at the moment to get done, really, before any of the really, really bad heavy weather comes in um, and then they'll be put into cold storage and uh, they'll be run at temperatures those cold stores of around about plus one half a degree they have a very high humidity inside those stores 100 percent humidity they'll be carried out 
in a great fog. You can't see the one side to the other of them. And uh, those trees will keep there, well, they'll keep fine, actually, for almost a year. Goodness. If you take them out of a cold store like that and you plant in May, blimey, they'll grow like radish, won't they? I have seen them. Uh, no word of a lie, Peter. I have seen a dormant tree come out of a cold store in June, planted with irrigation, and in seven days, the tree is on blossom. <laughs> it's remarkable. But that's the power of warm soils. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... I hope that's given some ideas of what you should do. I think we should now go on, Peter, into, in, into when the weather does turn a bit more clement, how are we going to plant this tree? Because this is going to be the next important thing. Yes, and, and, and who knows? Um, you know, the weather can change. As fast as it's changed cold, it can change back, can't oh, absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So um, if you've already dug your hole, then I suggest you put your coat on and go and fill it back in again. <laughs> that will be about, at least you'll get warm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's about the worst thing you can do is to have a hole open because uh, obviously it's, it's soon going to fall with water. Water's going to drain into the lowest part and uh, that's going to be a disaster. So don't, don't be tempted to dig a hole already. But when the day comes when you do want to plant and uh, it's, it's nice overhead and uh, uh, it's not too sticky underfoot, then... Dig your hole out, and I would suggest that um, you dig out probably a hole one and a half times as big as you want it to be, really. Think of the hole you want for the roots, and then dig it, well, go on, go twice as big. Yeah. Dig that hole out, put the soil to one side, and if you're on clay types of soils, which are very, very heavy, and you can see it's going to be difficult to put some nice crummy soil back around the roots, then you're going to have to do something with the spoil that you've taken out of that um, hole. You'll need a bit of sort of planting compost or something like that. You'll need some good planting compost, and I would avoid at all cost for this job a peat-based planting compost. Right. I would go very much for the planting compost mixtures which are made out of green waste nowadays right or yeah. just buy bags of green waste i know they're sold in the garden centers or you can get them from your council nowadays they will be ideal for planting back in and for lightening the soil that you've got i would be all for really um taking the spoil from the hole and then mixing it 50 50 Right. Um, I mean, you could use garden compost too, couldn't you? you if you've got of some nicely rotted stuff. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Or old um, grow bag compost. Yeah. 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 Yes, that would be fine. Yeah. But just, just um, uh, make sure you know. Do not fill the hole back with peat or something like that, because once that stuff dries out, you can never rewet it no. in the soil, and uh, that will be a rotten start for that tree. So, a nice big hole. Fork over the bottom. Make sure there's drainage going down. Put the fork in. Break it over as best you can. There's no need, really, to put any stone back in a hole like that. Um, and then put your tree in there, making sure that the height is correct. Remember, that tree needs to be planted at the same depth that it came out the nursery. And that's very, very easy to see on the stem of the tree. You'll see exactly where it uh, came out the nursery. Totally different colored bark. So that's got to be at the soil level. And then uh, hold your tree up. Remember to have put your stake in the hole 
before you put the tree in as well. Yeah, then you don't damage the roots. Yeah. And then you don't damage the roots, don't knock yeah. any, any of those big roots off. And um, make sure that stake's in there good and firm and that you've got a, a good quality tree tie as well. The belt type are very, very good. Uh, and make sure that there is a, a good buffer between the tree and that stake. You don't want the tree rubbing against that stake and taking the bark off during during the rest of the winter or, or indeed next year when it starts to grow. Yeah. Now, what about planting distances then, Will? Because commercially now, uh, trees are being planted much closer together, aren't they? Yes, they are. Well, um, if you go into some very old books, uh, then you're going to find details about planting cordon trees. And um, at the turn of the, uh, the century, that's the, that's the last century, the proper turn of the century, not this modern sort, um, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you'll find that planting distance for cordons was 18 inches apart. 50 centimetres is a planting distance for trees now at the moment. 50 centimetres is too close in my view but 75 and 80 centimetres is now the usual planting distance for trees in a commercial orchard. And there's no reason why a gardener can't have exactly the same sorts of success. Now, you may be asking, why are we planting them that close? For goodness sake, you know, um, we've got this room. We've got a, quite a bit of room in the garden. Why are we going to plant them that close? Well, it's really all about... Um, getting the maximum amount of cropping wood into a small space. And this is how we can achieve very, very large yields off a very short run of trees. I've got, I think, five different apples, uh, about two foot spaced. Yep. And, and the, the trunk was shaped like an S. Yes. Uh, um, but now, of course, there's branches growing, particularly where the bends are, yes. and, I, and I'm weaving those in, so it's really like a hedge. Yes, that's right. And, and indeed, we, there, there is a system of growing called hedgerow system, and uh, commercially, they're about three metres high, but are, are no wider than about two foot. And off those trees, you'll be picking crops to the equivalent of 100 tonnes to a hectare of land. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's when a I huge s- amount. It, it would be equating to something like 400 to 500 fruits a tree. It's amazing. Something like that. You know, I mean, certainly my trees are producing more than our family can eat. You know, I've got things yep. like red falstaff, eggrant russet. I have got one braben, which is quite useful because it's late. In fact, I didn't pick it until the end of November. Yeah, and, and, and quite honestly, Brayburn, of the varieties that are out there, then um, Brayburn is an ideal garden tree, uh, an ideal garden tree. It's, it's uh, very easy to pollinate. It is not an excessive growing tree. In fact, you need almost to energize it when it starts cropping. And uh, it, it crops on both one- and two-year-old wood. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a perfect tree. It'll give you wonderful crops. And when you talk about energise, that's providing some water if the weather's dry, especially on the eastern side of the country, and also feeding regularly. Now, feed, yes, it is. It's both. And um, how much water? Well, let me again give you an idea. Let's go back to the commercial plantings. Generally, they will be 
irrigating fruit trees from the time when the tree is just about to come into flower and then right the way through until probably the end of July, start of August. After that, it doesn't make too much difference. But they'll be irrigating each tree to the tune of about one litre a day. And as early as just coming into flower? Yes, that's, that's vital. On pears, it's, it's earlier than that. If you want really good pears, then as soon as bud burst occurs, so that's late February on pear usually, very early March perhaps, then you never let the soil dry out. Goodness, yeah. It's always held at field capacity, the, yeah. the, the water. But feeding, uh, that is crucial. And I, I'm afraid, and, and I understand why, but I'm afraid that very few gardeners feed fruit trees. And so what would you recommend? When you're feeding the roses, you use a good dose of rose fertiliser? Oh, you would do. Um, grow more is absolutely fine, but I, I would be putting it on at quite high levels. When you want to get big crops of trees, then you apply nitrogen. Oh, really? Now, um, will you keep upsetting all of our long-held and traditional systems, don't well, let, you? Let me Here you've got you planting the damn things in May <laughs> and you're watering them before they've started to flower. <laughs> well, you know, we're learning so much more uh, by, you know, research and development. Our scientists have learned so much more about how a tree... Can you imagine, Peter, that a good crop of apple, when I started my career, which is... 50, nearly just coming up to 50 years ago, a good crop of apple was something like 12 tonnes to the acre. That was a good crop. Well, when I worked for the original Lawrence Taylor, yep. <laughs> then it was five or six tonnes. It would have been five or six tonnes, yeah, you're right. And damn great trees and ladders that we were going up and down, yes. Yep. Yeah. And now, if you don't get 45 tonnes an acre plus, then you aren't going to make a living. I mean, that's, you know, times four. It's unbelievable, isn't it? That's just through the, our greater understanding of how a tree works, the importance of light, sunlight hitting fruit buds, and the importance of feeding. And when I tell you, when, a, um, when you're getting crops of 100 tonnes a hectare, and you can do that year after year, and from the third year of planting, the tree's three years old, and you're achieving 100 tonnes a hectare, well, that's just what gardeners want, you know. We're in a hurry. We can't you wait. No. We can't wait. We don't plant pears for our heirs yeah. anymore. No, and there's no need to even think about doing that. <laughs> Not very far up the road from from where you and I both both come from in in Essex, uh, just to the north of Essex, uh, an orchard which I'm very very closely associated with. Um, that's now eight years old, and for the last four years, it's come in at 70 tonnes a hectare of conference pear. Goodness. What but yeah. we apply nitrogen to about 170 units of nitrogen per acre. Well, it's always useful to speak to you. And boy, how the world is changing. <laughs> Thank you very much for giving us time today. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And a happy fruit growing. Oh, my postscript today is a, a little bit of research coming from Australia, of all places, where they were looking at Christmas trees. And, and there, the research indicates that uh, your Christmas tree will stay healthy longer 
uh, if uh, harvested, in other words, if it's cut, after cold weather, uh, and there they say 5 degrees centigrade or 41 degrees Fahrenheit, so the tree is fully dormant. And the other thing, they did a whole series of, tri- of trials and found that if you sprayed the foliage with hairspray, that helped the tree to stay fresh indoors. Now be careful, because hairspray is uh, very inflammable. We used to use a, um, an anti-desiccant spray, uh, especially on conifers when they were transplanted in September and again in March, April. But I haven't seen that about lately. Uh, and of course, hairspray would do the same kind of job, I suppose. But please, with uh, fire, always a risk. Be careful. Thanks again to our sponsor, Thompson & Morgan. Can I take this opportunity to wish you a very happy Christmas and successful growing New Year from both uh, Charlie Jones, my producer, and from me. Yes, have a good Christmas. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.